We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day. Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? It's great to be back. Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. It's great to be back talking to you guys. Uh, while we were gone, we learned that Darius and Harrison are not, in fact, the same person. We learned that Darius is spectacular at ad reads, and we'll be doing all of them going forward. And I really, really miss this. How you been, man? Well, I've been good. I'll be better when you edit that first part out. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I'll no, be no, no. We could keep it moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right, so a lot happens has happened since I've been gone, and we'll periodically catch up on some of the shenanigans that I missed while I was unconscious for several days. And thankfully, you know, it's funny, Harrison and Anthony and a few other folks visited me, and I'm like barely able to lift my arm up, much less stand up on my own at this point. And they're like, have you heard any of the Lakers news that's been going on? I'm like, yo, I've been out. Like, I, when I went out, I the... Milwaukee Bucks were up 2 nothing, and when I came to, I'm like, Toronto's about to go up 3-2? What? How long have I been out? And, and they were like, yeah, it's better for your health that you do not know what's been going on. This is when Magic went on first take, and they had the introductory press conference for Vogel, all that fun stuff. I, I was not uh, part of the conscious world during that time, and that's probably for the best. But... Recent news has been that after the Pelicans have made some efforts to build bridges between David Griffin and Anthony Davis, just kind of testing the waters to see where they're at, the Pelicans are back at the point where they're going to be listening to trade offers. The Lakers will no doubt be central to those discussions. We're going to talk a bit about that today amongst some other things. So going to open the show, Darius, I want to ask you, 
how, if at all, has Lakers' position changed in terms of what they should be willing to give up from where they were at the deadline? So I think their position has changed from what they're willing to give up. I would frame this more as we now have more information because the Lakers now have their lottery pick. We knew they were going to have a lottery pick. We just did not know they were going to have the number four pick overall. I think that that... Yeah, it changes the calculus. Yeah, yeah, so at the time, running into the trade deadline, there was this thought of everything is on the table, right? All of the young players, uh, future first round picks, and the Pelicans were really holding the Lakers' feet to the fire. If you ask Magic Johnson, they were negotiating in bad faith. Fortunately, we don't have to ask Magic Johnson anymore, so... I guess that part doesn't much matter, but the Lakers were being positioned where pretty much all of their assets were being viewed as weak. I'm not sure how much that has changed from the standpoint of the overall league-wide view, maybe of Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball or any of the other young players that are on the roster. I do know, though, that certain things have changed, not only the Lakers getting the number four overall pick, but the Pelicans don't even have the same management in place anymore. So I almost feel like we have to change the prism entirely in which we're viewing the Lakers' assets because there was the thought at the time that maybe Dell Demps and how much he was being influenced by ownership or by other power structures within the organization that maybe that package was not going to be looked upon fondly at all. I think David Griffin now being in control and the Lakers moving up has maybe changed the calculus on this. So I'm not sure if it's changed how much the Lakers are willing to give up. I think, though, that their starting offer is improved a great deal just from the standpoint of it's no longer the theoretical 11th pick. It's it's the number four pick in hand that is now a piece of the puzzle that is a part of the, the negotiation package at this point. Yeah, one other, one other element of this that I think is worth noting from the Pelicans' perspective is they themselves got the number one pick. And in a market like that, having a box office star like Zion Williamson may change what you want back. Right. Like, can we have a guy that we can sell? I was in New Orleans. That's the the one uh, road game I attended this year. And it's a it's very sparsely attended. You know, that's the one of the markets in the league that if they cannot get bodies in the seats, they're at risk of having to move or having to make other changes. It's not something we ever have to think about as Laker fans, but them getting the number one pick is very good for them. I, I can't speak to the degree to which it impacts the Lakers offer and what they how they view it, but that is one thing less thing that they have to worry about. And secondly, in terms of how the Lakers' assets are valued. I do think that the number four pick is probably more highly valued around the league than either Ingram or Lonzo, which is to say, not to say that that player is going to be a better player than one of those guys, but with Brandon, he had the blood clot issue, which is a one-time thing that should be fixed by now, but... if it becomes, if it pops up again, my understanding is that that is becomes very problematic, and he's also about to get paid. In yeah, he is extension eligible. Yeah, he's extension eligible this summer, and then he will be a restricted free agent next summer. So he is only cheap for a year. 
Lonzo has two years left on his rookie deal, but he's also had injury issues throughout both of his seasons. Some teams, David Griffin has expressed this in his role as a TV analyst, that he doesn't really love the LeVar Ball element of of what Lonzo brings to the table. And, you know, there's concerns about his shooting. I do think number four is you get to pick your own guy. You get a guy for four years on a rookie deal. I do think that that jumps to the forefront of what the Lakers are capable of offering. Now, then the question becomes, what do the Lakers need to give up? What should they give up in that sort of scenario? I'm curious if you agree with this. I think the Lakers have three blue chip assets or, or close to it, and that are those three. Number four, Ingram and Lonzo, in whatever order you want to put them. I do think four is more valued around the league, although I value Lonzo and Ingram more because they're going to be more ready to contribute if we can keep one of those guys, and that's one of the points I want to make. I would like to walk out of this with either Lonzo or Ingram still on the team. Do you think we're going to have to... And first off, do you put Kuzma in that category? I don't. And I, I don't either. And then... Do you think we're going to have to give up all three of those guys in order to get Anthony Davis? Um, I hope not. So I'm on the <laughs> same page as yeah. you with where my hopes lie. And honestly, I would say 51%, 49%. I think that they could get a deal done without both included. I, I do too. I would like to see them exploring future first round yes. picks. Even post-LeBron first. Me as well. I think that it's important that there is a path, and Eric Pink has had a great article about this that I will not try to break it down, but there is a path to actually three Max guys, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and another Max, and either Lonzo or Ingram on the team. I think it's going to be important to have, especially defensively, to have surround guys, those you know Max guys with not just, you know, room exception, vet minimum, ring chaser type of guys, but dudes who can actually play and can actually develop into something. We, you know, we've been watching the, the, the NBA finals, your Draymond Green type of guy, your Pascal Siakam type of guy that can, you know, develop into that. And so I, I would really like to see the Lakers get creative. And to me, this is somewhere where Rob Polinka can really show his value. He's not going to be the reason that somebody comes to the Lakers as a free agent, right? He's not like he's, I guess, an okay salary cap guy. I, I don't think they've done anything magical in terms of the maintenance of the salary cap. He's I wouldn't say magical, but let's let's give them credit there. I, I thought the Clarkson Nance trade yes, yes. was mm-hmm a huge win for the Lakers from a salary yeah, cap perspective. Uh, I thought Clarkson would still be on the books right now. If, if that trade hadn't gone down, That's I point. thought, however you want to talk about the mismanagement of Luol Dang as a player asset, they worked the machinations around the stretching of his contract exactly to the dollar that it needed to be. And while that can be looked at as a small thing. I see. I, I actually, let me jump in. I, I actually don't agree with that. Luol Deng's expiring contract would be really valuable right now in an Anthony Davis trade. Part of the problem is that Lakers, in, in order to get to the math, like in, in order to, to execute it, they don't have any salary ballast on the books. I actually think that they could have held on to him for a year and that would have been a better move from a cap perspective in order to try to match salaries. I think that that's true if you're looking at a trade at this point in the season. 
right? Like going into next season where his salary is then just a, where his salary is going to come off the books in the summer of 2020. I think yeah. that trying to make a deal in this past February, which I think is where the Lakers started to inch towards, and not only inch towards, they went full throttle in terms of the Anthony Davis chase at that point. Trying to trade Luol Dang in February of 2019 with basically a season and a half left on his books, he is a negative asset. Whereas I think in this summer, I think you're right. He could have been a, maybe a neutral asset as an expiring contract. But I actually think Dang's real value as an expiring contract would not actually be until next February, February of 2020. And, and so okay. I understand where you're coming from with salary ballast, certainly. 100%, especially now that the Lakers are not going to have any salary on their books, right, for a summertime trade. That's where not having ballast um, is meaningful and and important. I think, though, from the standpoint of having max cap space this summer and being able to create the space in order to chase a max contract guy or absorb a max contract guy and then still make meaningful trades with the assets that are still on the books that do have positive value that the dang stretching at the time that it was and the dollar amount they got him to give up i think that that's meaningful and is a positive from the front office now that's just my perspective and i could be argued out of that but i'm firmly on that end at this point that, that that's fair so to my point like okay may, maybe polinka has had some degree of value from a salary cap standpoint i don't think he's been a wizard or anything but it's fair to say that he has not been a total failure in that i respect. think he's been competent which right and maybe more so but but i'm not willing to go to the wizard level where you had said he's not a wizard certainly well agree. i i and I think competent is the extent to which I would go on that. I think mistakes have been made. I thought that they shed the Mozgov deal too early. We don't have to relitigate yeah, all of this totally. stuff, right? Yes. From, but but I will agree with you on competent at least. That said, this is the most important move that the Lakers are at least negotiating, right? Is this potential Anthony Davis trade? And this is an area where I would expect with his experience that this is somewhere where he can get a win. Now, it's a very different thing than saying, hey, sign my client James Harden to a max contract or sign my client Kobe Bryant to a max contract, right? This is going to involve some, you know, it's a trade, right? It's something you give up something, I give up something that the nature of it is going to be different than that type of negotiation. By the same token, if this is not somewhere where he can win a trade, especially with, I, I think the Lakers have more leverage than New Orleans does, right? Like they, there is not another offer out there to our knowledge, and that could change, or that could be something that we're not aware of. But I, I don't think the Knicks package is particularly great, right? And that's the other team. It, Boston seems to be mostly out of it at this point. I, I would like the Lakers to win the deal right? Like stars generally do not get traded for a King's ransom. Now, Anthony Davis is arguably a superstar 
and those guys rarely get traded at all. So I do expect him to go out. Like if Lakers make this trade, it's going to sting on on some level, right? But I I just don't want it to be the same approach as the deadline where it's like, God, we just need to get Anthony Davis on this team. And like I remember the days where we had max cap space for two guys, right? And that we were supposed to be adding them to what we were building. And now if we get three stars, you're not going to hear me complain. But if it's something where this ends with LeBron James, everybody out for Anthony Davis, and then we're signing the Marcus Morrises of the world to fill out the roster with the remaining cap space, I'm going to be a lot less happy with that. Yeah, I think the framework has to be where you start under that you're willing to give, obviously. And you find a way to meet somewhere in the middle where you feel like you've still made out ahead and you're getting Anthony Davis. So in all likelihood, you're making out ahead, right? But that you do not empty the coffers. The negotiate, the way the negotiations went back in February, it seemed like everything was on the (laughs) table and it would have literally taken everything to get him. If the Lakers were to give up everything for Anthony Davis now and did not do that with someone else in hand, let me ask you this. If the Lakers actually did give up everything, but they did not consummate a deal until after the moratorium, and on July 3rd or July 4th, by ruining our holiday, the Lakers in terms of, you know, having to create content (laughs) at that point, right? You know, it would be fireworks. The Lakers were to sign a max salary player and then gave up everything and got Anthony Davis. Would that be okay with you? You sort of hinted that it might be, but I'm trying to get a sense of it would sting, but you'd be like, okay, the Lakers have, in theory, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Anthony Davis. Is that like you're over the moon? I'll be happy to answer that one after the break. But first, Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure that our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com backslash Blue Wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. And while we're at it, when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders to one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. 
ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment, so you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com and enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. All right, so you asked me if I'd be happy with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. Hell yes, I'd be happy with <laughs> LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard. Are you kidding me? Like, look, I love the kids, Darius. Like, I, it's been it's been a unique little era in Laker fandom where we are rooting for this rebuilding team and all these kids, these little plants that we are, you know, these seeds that we plant in the ground and we're watering that we hope to that grow into this big oak tree. Right. And, and, and a couple of them. I, I love that. But look, like I, when we signed LeBron, I got it. I understood it. My concern about how this goes is less about the attachment to the kids and more we are in such a a great position as Laker fans and as a franchise where stars come to this franchise, right? And we had the money to get two of them while having the kids. What I don't want is just to act like, oh, hey, we got our second star by trading all of that away and then filling the roster out with the Marcus Morrises of the world. There's only one Kawhi Leonard, right? And... Uh, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi Leonard are three of the, the best players on the planet. Even if that's Kyrie Irving or Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I get it. Like, I, I want to keep one of the kids because I think it's going to be important to be a championship team off of that. But for me, that's what it's all built around is can you build a championship team? So let me ask you this this question, though. So, so one thing I was going to follow up with was what's your threshold? And you already threw out the names Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler. So I'm assuming that getting one of those guys and Anthony Davis, you'd be cool with that too, right? Yeah, you get a legit, those are legit max guys. And so get legit max guys that can contribute in next year's playoffs at a high level. So then here's my other question for you. So let's say the Lakers use their number four selection and maybe they have some intel and the guy that they drafted is maybe like Jarrett Culver or even mm-hmm. let's say RJ Barrett goes right number four slips yeah he slips number four like let's say the knicks really love Jarrett culver or they love garland or the knicks do something i don't know nixie nixie right and maybe they trade down and then the hawks really like you know deandre hunter who like who knows where things go right but let's just say that let's say the lakers have one of these top players and they have this guy now. Would you be happy or okay if the Lakers didn't make any trade? You said that there was a point in time where the Lakers were in position to get two max players. That was last summer, right? And the plan all along was basically hope and pray for a guy like LeBron James, right? Mm-hmm. With this idea that you probably had Paul George in the bag. Those were your two max players. It was LeBron James and Paul George, or Paul George and Max Player B, right? That didn't happen. Mm -hmm. The Lakers did get LeBron James, and we celebrated. I damn near crashed my car when I found (laughs) out that the Lakers got LeBron James. Coming up this summer, they have 
cap space to sign a second Max guy. And there's a bunch of them out there. And you just said that Kyrie Irving or Jimmy Butler, like Kawhi Leonard's the ideal, but there's a list of these guys. So would you be okay if next year the Lakers went into training camp with Jimmy Butler and LeBron James and all of the kids, including the number four draft pick? Isn't that the scenario that you just described you would have been like perfectly happy with last summer? Or has your mentality about the timeline for these Lakers changed at all? based off of what you saw from LeBron this past year, what we've seen develop throughout the playoffs with the competition level around the league and on and on and on. Like I'm trying to get a gauge from you as to where, where you think the Lakers are relative to the rest of the league and and how quickly you're trying to accelerate things. Like, are you all in on a trade regardless Or are you looking at this more of free agency is really my primary goal still at this point? Or are they running parallel? They're running parallel. So I don't think that team is good good enough to win an NBA championship next year. Say they sign a Jimmy Butler, keep all of the kids, right? Like you got a guy like Jarek Culver. I'm deep in the tape on him. Already did my video on DeAndre Hunter. Hunter is going to be a guy that's able to contribute, but it's going to be like rotational type of minutes and he's going to be a a rare rookie I think that can be in a an NBA rotation playing important minutes but they're ancillary right he'll be a three and d type of guy Jarrett Culver has the potential to be a lot more especially as an on-ball type of guy but he's the type of dude that I look at like year three that guy's going to be really interesting right I don't think he's going to be doing a lot for you in a high level playoff games as a rookie and that's true of most rookies right I'd be perfectly happy though with that type of scenario and what I would I'd like the Lakers to have a walk away point on the Anthony Davis discussions because it's not going to be the last thing that pops up. Be- if the Lakers go into the next season with LeBron James, Jimmy Butler and the kids, they've got all sorts of versions where like see Bradley Beal is somebody who's on the table and he doesn't cost as much as an Anthony Davis there are always guys that are popping onto the trade market and the Lakers will have all sorts of pieces because I don't think that those two guys and the kids are enough I don't think the kids are experienced enough to be able to do that to to help you win the type of games that we're watching right now during the NBA final well let me rephrase that they're good enough to help you I don't think any of them is going to be good enough to be like the third guy Maybe Brandon could step into that, right? And maybe Lonzo. I, but I think that that's a really optimistic. They really step into who they you are. You don't see any of them necessarily being like as good as Siakam is this year. Not this year. Siakam's like 25, sure. right? Give Brandon a couple of years. Give Lonzo a couple of years. Yeah. But this next year, I, I think that's a really optimistic approach to gotcha. that. But I do think that if the Lakers have a walk away point in these Anthony Davis trades, other opportunities are going to pop up. And if you have a chance to get a number three guy, you know, like what is, and, and on top of that, you're going to have some salary ballast on the books, your room exception guy, your, you know, guys that you signed for the vet, vet minimum can be added to those type of deals, right? Like how much does a, heck, how much does Kevin Love cost you in a trade? Yeah. Right. Not, not not necessarily recommending that, but if you need a third guy to go along with a Butler and a LeBron, like that's a different. Now, if you can get Anthony Davis, that's great. But I would prefer getting a lesser player at a lower cost to giving up 
everything for Anthony Davis. Where do you stand on that? Because, you know, the old adage in the NBA is you you don't trade four quarters for a dollar, yes. right? You hold on to the dollar. You want to get the, those are the hardest guys to replace. I, I, I agree with that, but I do have a certain point that I go up to where I walk away on that. Where do you stand? I on think that? my priority is still free agency. So, okay. from where I sit, trades cannot be executed until the moratorium is over. Trades often happen around the draft because teams like to be able to draft their own players. And maybe I'm off base with this and someone who's much more of an insider person would would push back against this idea that I'm going to say right now very hard. And maybe even you'll you'll push back against me. But I think at the top of the draft, a lot of boards are going to be very similar. And I think that this is where the ability to sort of get intel on what players, other organizations may or may not like matters. Because the way that I see it is the Lakers can surely be having and will be having conversations around the Anthony Davis trade, around the draft. And if they can make a beneficial deal to them at the draft, with the idea that it wouldn't be executed until after the moratorium ends, right? In order to ensure that the Lakers still have the ability to chase free agents, because technically a trade for Anthony Davis could still happen, right? Mm-hmm. Even at the draft, I believe. Or maybe I'm off with sure. that. They would execute it on July 1st, but it could be agreed to then. So what I... I guess what I'm really looking at, and this is where I think front office expertise matters, and we could go back and forth on whether or not we think the Lakers have, in general, front office expertise. I would say that they don't. But where Palinka may have a certain amount of expertise in terms of the machinations of how you stagger and order transactions in order to get to the outcome where everything fits together very much the way that like Miami had to do it when they signed Wade, LeBron and Bosch all in the same summer. There was mm-hmm. a certain amount of, of like gymnastics that needed to happen in terms of right. the moving of players and cutting certain guys at certain times and the order in which all these transactions took place in order to actually open up the cap space that made it possible. The stuff that you talked about that Eric Pincus wrote about that's what this sort of stuff is, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. it's how do you order the transactions in order to actually create the room and have the numbers work so that everything is legal under the, the rules of the collective bargaining agreement. And so if I'm the Lakers, free agency is still my priority and a trade comes second to me. Now, maybe I'm reading this 100% wrong and maybe Davis should be the trade guy first, and you should be prioritizing the trade in order to make the free agent acquisition more likely, right? Like, Yeah, I think that's something that if they're feeling the heat of maybe not being the front runner for any of these guys, I think that makes a Davis trade a lot more likely. Yeah, and, and maybe that's right. One thing that I, and I had conversations about this with Aaron, in in last week's pod, but they were conversations off well offline. And one of the things that I had discussed with him is just 
And we weren't talking about specific players. It was more from the mindset of what matters to individual people. And there are too many times, I think, that we as outsiders like to project our own thoughts on things Mm -hmm. onto other people as to like our value system is now like Kevin Durant's value system. And that's just simply not true. Like the thing that I think matters probably does not matter in the same way to Jimmy Butler or Kemba Walker or Clay Thompson or Kyrie Irving or on down the line, right? Like these people have their own worldviews. They have their own set of priorities and they have their own value systems, which inform the decisions that they're going to make. And I think it's dangerous at times. And I sort of wrote about this at Forum Blue and Gold when I wrote about, you know, my sort of defense of, well, of the Lakers where I didn't, defend them all too hard. But what I did say is, is that the things that we all think matters, right? Like, oh, there's so much drama around this team and, and ownership looks like it's a mess. And the front office looks like it's this, and no one trusts Rob Palinka and Kurt Rambis is in the mix. Like Linda Rambis. I'm not sure how much that matters to people who, Mm -hmm who are going to be making a decision about whether or not they want to play for the organization. I know it matters to people like you and me. I know it matters to the right. media because they talk about it a lot and they've, and they've expressed their belief about why and how it's bad. I just don't know if it matters to the players. I think we're about to find out because the Lakers have a lot going for them outside of that. And a lot like all of that is at least externally viewed as a mess in a lot of in a lot of ways and i so i think this is actually going to be a good test to see to what degree free agents value that sort of thing yeah i like i mean i think it is a mess i'm just not sure like if it matters yeah, yeah. no right. i totally like, agree with that like, yeah so my wife is someone who does not like our house to be messy i don't like our house to be messy either Right. And so she is constantly tidying up and making sure that things look a certain way because that's the way that she wants things. Right. I also know plenty of people and you walk into their house and you're like, what's the matter with you? (laughs) Right. Like (laughs) and that's because the standard that I hold myself to is not the same standard that someone else holds themselves to. And that doesn't mean that that other person's wrong. It just means that their priorities are different than mine, right? They're in different places, yeah. I do think that things are a mess. We've written and talked, like I've written about this plenty and you and I have talked about it a lot, right? And it's it's literally been months of this. You know what I mean? We're at like... We just watched game three of the NBA finals. Like it's been happening since before the end of the regular season. So it's been a long time that the Lakers have sort of been viewed as this tire fire. That's draining on people like you and me. And and we're like, we're so tired of this. Like I said, though, like my threshold isn't necessarily someone else's and I don't expect it to be and so I think the point that you made about we're about to find out how much it matters like I think that that's very much true and I'm very interested to see if the pull that the Lakers do have LeBron James all that money the Los Angeles market the Lakers brand and 
all of the opportunities that come when you're an ambassador for that brand, if those things outweigh some of the other things that you and me and a bunch of other really smart observers of the league think is a problem with the organization. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And there was something you said about, you know, about the value system, you know, like I've spent most of this pod talking about how I want them to approach it. That whole thing that you just said right there applies to the front office too and what they value, right? They may be very well. And honestly, I more expect them to be like, yeah, we'll give you everything for Anthony Davis. We'll figure out the rest of it. We've got cap space beyond that. We can get another Max guy or we could fill the team out, right? And and that is what I expect to happen. I, I, but I, I think that if that's the case, and I hope to be wrong about that, I think the Lakers are setting themselves up for a team that's going to fall just short. And they had the potential to build something that was really long and sustainable. And when you have Anthony Davis, look, if we trade for Anthony Davis, it means and secure him. Now, this is something that might be an interesting conversation. If things go badly this year, right, does he resign with the Lakers? And God, would that be not the most apocalyptic future, right? But let's say that he's here to stay, right? You've basically guaranteed at least one superstar on your team for the next six or seven years, if not having two at the front end of it with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And you find yourself going into future free agencies once LeBron retires or whatever happens with him with a pretty good foundational piece in Anthony Davis that could be appealing to other stars. So like, look, that is, that is absolute gold. I I just, my standard for what I thought the Lakers would be able to do and what they were building toward was something long and sustainable as a title contender. And I'm afraid that they're going to fall short of that as a team that's a conference final finalist type of team. Yeah. I think that that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. So I want to wrap the show up with uh, just sharing a little bit of personal experience just for the sake of whatever platform I have encouraging the people who listen to the show to maybe not fall into the same thing that I did. Uh, I just want to share a little more of the details of what happened with me. So I have a pancreatitis, the inflammation of the pancreas, and I've been battling it since I was about 23 years old. And I've, I had a cursory visit to the doctor in my mid-20s. And what happened this time, what I'd always manage it. And I had, you know, I'd take hot and cold showers and you'd use heating pads and cold compresses and other stuff for just like pain management type of stuff. It's flared up over the last 15 years. I'm 38 years old now. And it's, you know, quite often, right? Like, you know, a couple times a year, I'd, I'd, I'd have it pretty bad and I'd, it'd knock out a few days from my schedule, but I'd be all right. And it manifests as this pain in my right side, right underneath my ribs. And that's what happened a few weeks back, right? But this time it lasted a little bit longer and I thought I'd be all right. And I had one day and usually it was something where it would be bad for a day, but I'd be fine for a day and then it'd flare up again. And that'd be that cycle for about a week and a half, maybe to two weeks. The second time that it flared up, it started getting pretty bad. And between one of my many, many showers, again, this is absurd pain management, I started tremoring like shaking pretty badly and I felt my heart rate just go faster than it ever had before then soon after that I felt like a change like and and I'm pretty sure it was my blood pressure dropping and you know I I staggered upstairs I fell and uh, bashed up my knees pretty good and that and I staggered upstairs 
tell my girlfriend, hey, I think I need to go to the emergency room, but I'm super stubborn about things like this. You know, got 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 up to to our bedroom and she's like, We gotta go. And I was like, No, let me let me try and, you know, let me try and shake it off. And she's like, No, no. She she insisted. We we go to the emergency room. They end up having to put me on a breathing tube. And my heart rate was between uh so so basically what happened was a gallstone got stuck in my gallbladder, backed everything up, further inflaming the pancreatitis and everything else around it. By the time that they were getting me stabilized, it, it was something that, uh, you know, when I was on the first couple of days on the breathing tube were pretty hairy in terms of my survival. I was, my heart rate was between 160 and 180 pretty constantly. My blood pressure was like 60 over 40. And I was experiencing organ failure, multiple organ failure. All of this because, and I put my my whole family through all of this, like, it was to the point of like people coming out of town, you know, uh, to, you know, hopefully not say their goodbyes, but it was, you know, at that point, right. Where, where it was looking really bad. Um, all of this because I wouldn't get my dumb ass checked out. Um, this little pain that I had in my side that I would just push through and battle through. I was unconscious for five days. I, I ended up ripping out the breathing tube at some point coming off of fentanyl, which is a pretty serious drug. I ended up ripping out the breathing tube uh, like the night right before they were going to take it out. I was out for about five days. Um, by the third day, it was I had turned around. Um, I had, they'd intubated me on like a Saturday. By Monday night, it was looking better. And by Thursday, I think that was my Thursday morning was my first conscious day, and that's when I ripped out the breathing tube. And then I've I've got a lot better since then, right? Like it's been it's pretty amazing the what the body can do, and I I want to thank the people at Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center out in out in Westwood for just the amazing work that they did. Just not just the doctors, but the nurses, the the MVPs of all of it were the ICU nurses where I was for several days. The you know all of the you know respiratory technicians, the just everybody was just really incredible there. But again, just a little pain in my side that I left unaddressed for years and years and years. And I know that, you know, most of the people who listen to the show are guys. This applies to women too, but I, I think these guys are more prone to this of like just powering through it. We've got our responsibilities. We want to take care. It's inconvenient. It's expensive, but I don't, I don't ever want to put my family through that again. I thought of, you know, this wonderful community that we have with Lakers Twitter and just the, this online Lakers community that we have when I was doing my physical therapy, trying to walk again, that, you know, it was a very motivating to just try and walk to the, to the doorway, you know what I mean? Go from this chair to the doorway and just thinking of you guys with, and, and my family and all of that. But all of that, all of that was because I did not go to the doctor. And if you've got, I just went into the pot on this. If you have something that's nagging you, like it's not something that's going to go away, right? It may show up and go away and flare up and this and that, but it, it's something, it's your body telling you something and take that afternoon to go to the doctor, schedule it to get it checked out and head it off at the pass and don't put your family and your loved ones through what I did. So if one person hears this and says, damn, I need to schedule that appointment, I will feel good about this. Thank you for listening to that story. And thank you for listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. It's good to be back. We'll catch you guys next time. The 
give me a chance to think. It takes <laughs> me a little while to get wound up. I know it does take you a while to think. Rebound to Vladdy. Nice rebound to Vladdy. Oh, magic ahead. Go to face. Goes under and scores. With a family motivation. Listen to the crowd. I think that is a cosmetic call, baby. Okay, kid, you're all right in my book. <laughs> Will you get these idiots out of here? Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.